Hi, I'm Lonnie Watson, high school counselor. And I'm Jerry Mack, high school principal. Welcome to our podcast, The School Office. Where we give tactical and practical tips for working in a high-performing public school. We have been to all the conferences. We have read all the books. We are tired of hearing from experts who are not in the trenches working with students, parents, and staff every day. So if you want to learn about all things that work for us in our profession, you're in the right place. Thanks for joining us. This is The School Office. All right, we're back in action. And Jerry, I don't know about you, but I feel like a student again. We're going to title this What We've Learned During COVID-19 in Education. And I feel like I have, I'm a student again. I'm learning every day. <laughs> definitely, 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 definitely. We have been the students um, during the school closure in a whole lot of different areas. Um, yeah, so I started making a list. When, so the title of this one, you said What We've Learned. So I have a, a slow growing list of what we've learned so I mean it just it's never ending last night I had a board meeting by the way and so for the second or third month now it's been it was via zoom so I'm just going to begin with this what we've learned zoom meetings take less time oh my gosh okay so I have a love-hate relationship with zoom like I think I renamed my password school password to zoom is dumb but that's one thing I like about (laughs) zoom agreed it goes so much faster and people don't speak up unless they really have something worthwhile to say um and not in not speaking up is a good thing but just it goes faster we get to the point a lot faster there's a lot less wishy-washy in between I love zoom meetings for that purpose uh, that's where I'm at. So for Zoom, for what I'm thinking of meetings. So for meetings, good. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. 100% thumbs yeah, well, up. Well, and here's here's one. We have, so when we do a normal board meeting, and, and we're a, a fairly small school, uh, when we do these normal board meetings, we would have just the principals there. And then our we have seniors because in government they're required to attend at least one board meeting and one city council meeting. And so then you get a mix of some seniors that will show up as well. That's it for the meeting. As soon as we went to Zoom and we put the link out there, we have people like staff, um, Mm -hmm. members of the community that will sit in and listen in on the Zoom meetings. And we have a chat feature that they use um, if they want some public comment. Um, Far more participation than we had before. All of that and the meetings take less time. Because some of that informal discussion and, and play around isn't, that doesn't happen so much as we know with Zoom. That's one thing. The downside of Zoom is sometimes we might lack some of that informal discussion where I think that's valuable. Um, but overall, it's, I, I, I'm telling you, I love board meetings on Zoom. Well, and I love them because to give like my husband the, the job of putting my children to bed at night and the dishes and the cleanup, because I, I mean, I'd have to feed my kids and sprint to the board meeting. Right. Um, but I can do it. It's like podcasting, right? Or listening to a podcast. I can learn. And I can participate and I can be informed while I'm doing my dishes. You know, why I'm unloading the dishwasher or why you're mowing the lawn. And with Zoom, you can put it right there and I can hug my kids goodnight and watch the meeting and be informed at the same time. So for me, it's, it's a huge bonus to be able to put, I hope our school continues to do Zoom board meetings. For the meeting. Um, so we had, uh, gosh, we had a case coordination meeting a week ago. We've had... Um, our admin meetings are offered. If you want to attend in person, you can go to central office and attend. Um, so anyways, I'm just giving some examples of these other meetings that I regularly attend. And you don't have the travel time. And I, and that's good or ba- and bad. You know, like 
one thing, like in a high school, when is when people are actually in a high school and students are actually in a building called a high school, which we haven't seen for a couple of months, but um, it gives you a break once in a while to leave your building to go to a meeting. But without that travel time, like having to leave, walk out, walk to the parking lot, get in your vehicle, drive to wherever, walk into the building, get set, then you sit and wait for other people, like... I've just noticed that the efficiency of meetings is, it's, it's just so handy to, you know, like I can be out and grab my phone and jump in on the Zoom meeting and not waste a step of where I was and the time it takes to get to the meeting or return from meetings. So uh, I've got a lot of thumbs up on Zoom. And I think instructionally, we know face-to-face cannot be replaced, period. Period. But I'm telling you, in my opinion, Zoom worked really well to at least get a voice and a face in front of students. Um, our staff meetings, is, you know, and, and our staff meetings are short now too. I mean, they're very quick. Um, it's just so much, it, it works, and it's so much more efficient um, that I hope some of that sticks around. So I think I think we're going to find some things that work. Plus, you can record the meeting and offer it, you know, in an email or something, you know, later too. There's those features that work well. We, we definitely learned we there's pros and cons. I, I learned that I could look forward to a staff meeting. I, I think I miss interaction. I you would never thought I'd be the person to look forward to a staff meeting. But um, you've been pretty good for us about just once a week, if even that. And I yeah. kind of look forward to it. I'm like, ooh, Tuesday, I got a staff meeting. I get to see everyone's face. Like, it's kind of exciting. So yeah. I learned Lonnie can actually like a staff meeting again. So that's a blessing. And at the end of my meeting yesterday, I shared that uh, one of my it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek goal that I had, but um, at the beginning of this school year, back in August, I'm getting overwhelmed and have been overwhelmed with emails. And so one thing I wanted to do differently this year was not to do these bulk mass emails to all staff more than once a week because it's just too easy that every time a new topic popped up that needs to be shared with staff just to throw out an email to all the staff you know, and to, and to do that... I get the ease of it, but it just seems overwhelming and less personal to constantly lean on that. And so all school year, I went with one email, mass email to all staff once a week. And it would just be topics, you know, and I would try to make sticky notes through the week of the different topics. Well, we go into school closure, and now we have Zoom meetings, and I'm like, ah, you know, we probably need to meet, you know, we, we had uh, one of our school buildings, they were going to do daily Zoom meetings, and I assume they did that. I don't. I don't know if it continued. Every morning was going to start with a staff Zoom meeting, and I'm like, no. I just had this little tongue-in-cheek goal that I am not going to be the one that overwhelms the staff. And so, once a week, list of topics. Appreciate it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I worried that it was under communicating a little bit because I would still have you know personal emails. You know, it, you know that because you you get the bulk of my emails, but. You know, I can still email that one teacher and do those things, but I'm just talking about those mass bulk to everyone. And and you as a teacher, I remember you used to read those emails like, why didn't he, why didn't he just go talk to him? <laughs> you know, everyone knows that the reason he's telling us not to park in this yeah. area of the parking lot is because of Mr. Smith. Just go talk to him. <laughs> so, anyways, it's been kind of fun. But Zoom, a lot of pluses, a few negatives, but the negatives are just because it's not as good as. It's just not the as real good. Thing. And, and that's like really if we talk about if we go to the negative side of what we've yeah. learned for a second here um, and we're going to hit you with negatives and positives because this podcast we're being real. Mm-hmm. We're sharing our real experiences and being real. Um, 
I, I, you can even listen back onto the podcast. I, my belly was fire lit. Let's change education really fast. We learned uh, digital education is not as good as in person. And we, right. sh- we know that. I mean, gosh, I should be the champion of that because I have two master's degrees that are online. Mm-hmm. And I was just, we were just talking with a colleague at, um, my undergrad was harder than both of my master's combined because it was mostly in-person. So we very clearly learned in-person learning trumps all types of learning. It just does. Um, but the high flyers can that are good at uh, their own initiation or um, initiative and motivation, they can fly through and eat up your curriculum digitally. Absolutely. There again, that, I'm not saying this, that's a good thing because that's what we do with our online degrees and online classes we've had is you can just fly through and you're really not, you know, we, we talk all the time in our staff meetings for years that the most important thing we teach isn't in a textbook. Um, and so it's all those little discussions in the class. You know, like when I think back to my more powerful classes through my college program or a master's program, it's the classes where the professor shared stories of mm-hmm. real stories of what what real administration looks like, and we got discussions, and those discussions were valuable versus just some digital thing like read this chapter, answer these questions, write this journal or abstract or essay, and move on. So totally, hundred <laughs> percent, storytelling is my favorite way to learn. Um, so here's I'm going to switch gears to social emotional, but I'm going to get all counselor on on us. I am learning, and I think you are too, Jerry, our kids were in a pressure cooker at school. And some of the issues we were having with mental health, although I know they still exist, are um, a little bit diminished right now and a little bit relaxed. And I guess I'm learning how much pressure we were putting on kids at school. And for whatever reason, like I'll just say an example, um, I meet Mondays with the mental health team in our local Um, community counseling resources and youth transition services and their services are drastically declining right now they were they were full every case manager every counselor was completely full since school has been let out kids that they were seeing are doing better emotionally they might not have done great with the school with the digital learning emotionally they're doing better so um, I'm learning there's a correlation that, that kids for whatever reason we are a part of the the problem Oh, you nailed it. Maybe. Is that bad to say the problem? But we're no, part of something that's going on right now. When we're talking about what we've learned, we've learned that we're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we are a big part of the pressure cooker that's with uh, the kids and staff, you know, deal with. You know, just in a lot of it, it it's the same thing like, you know, someday the students are going to grow up and be in a workplace. And they're going to, there's a pressure cooker with jobs yeah. and showing up on time and the, and the social pieces, but, um, but I think it's quite obvious we're part of, part of the problem. You, you and I get emails throughout a, any typical school year. We get emails at night. We get contacts, um, suicidal, you know, like it might be, absolutely. it might be a student's friend is contacting us about, Hey, so-and-so is making some suicidal comments online on social media. I haven't had a single one of those since the school closure. Me, me either. And yeah. I, it was a big part of my job. I don't think we've had a student EPC'd, you know, emergency protective custody because of suicide watch since the school closure. We're part of the problem. And we're also part of the solution. So what Mm -hmm. we worried initially is because we know we're part of the solution and we know we are um, two people in our community who kids go to regularly. Mm -hmm. They, They come to us and we so love that and appreciate it. So we worried because we also are are 
a big part of what right. I feel like is the solution or the go-to people. I'm just surprised what I learned is is that I wasn't as ne- I I haven't felt as needed in that regard mm-hmm. um, as I was, and that just makes me feel like. For whatever reason, the kids who are struggling the most, social, emotionally, and with mental health, feel some pressure release right now. Right. And so I think we've got to figure out what part of that normal, traditional school setting, what part is the pressure cooker? What part is... Because some no, some stress is good. We know that. Absolutely. And it's, it's good. It, it makes us thrive. Um, that's what grows our resiliency and all that. But I think we, we need to sit down sometime and, and figure out what part is the pressure cooker... Because um, with, with students, a lot of it is the social, the peers, having to be around so many other people every day, you know, in one building. We always talk about, you know, it's kind of like a family. When you have hundreds of people under one roof, not everyone's going to get along. And so we have to teach them that's okay, how to properly act when we don't get along. And so I think we just need to figure out what part in there might be causing the pressure for students. And just because, admitting we're part of the problem, I think, is a big step. Agreed, but... You know, there was a time, I just blamed it all on social media. Oh, it's social media. Right. Social media. You know what? Students have social media right now. In fact, that's the gist of their communication. They're being nicer to each other. And yet, yeah, I was going to say, and yet we don't have the suicidal stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. We don't have the pressure I believe is released right now. So I was like, okay, so maybe it wasn't the social media. You know, it's back to these other things of, of, of school and peers and what part what part are we the problem because mm-hmm. we clearly are part of the problem yeah that's that's been huge um, mm-hmm. learning for me as far as my job title what else do we got on our list um I'll just go with the next one I've listed and these are kind of random but communication and the need oh boy howdy the need for schools and probably other organizations as well to have a communication plan and that's one thing we've talked about with our administrative team is you and I started this thing with podcasting and we do video casting as well weekly for our community. Um, it just gave us such an advantage of how to record audio, how to push it out on social media and different platforms, how to record video. We didn't know we were going to do an, you, you did a virtual honors night program mm-hmm. for the scholarship program. We did a Kind, kind of a virtual graduation celebration video, mm-hmm. um, and I that those are only small pieces of what I think needs to be a larger, t- um, larger. Um, I don't know what I want to say here. Discussion of how to use these different platforms, um, so we have a communication plan because. We're pushing Instagram, we're pushing all these different things, and, and the truth is the majority of our parents and families are Facebook. Absolutely. The The problem a few years ago with our school district, and this is the reason that you and I are just, we just, it's just crazy to me, and I don't want to pat our own backs here, but you guys, we started a weekly podcast this year during COVID-19. Can you believe it? Like not before anyone even knew what COVID-19 or coronavirus was this year, we just decided, you know what? We're sick of fielding the same phone calls every single day. And we're sick of having the the same conversations with multiple families that needs to be on a, how do we make this broader conversation? So we started the Cardinal cast podcast different than the school office. Um, 
which gave us courage to actually start the school office. It's just crazy. And what we're finding out is there's so many cool ways. So we've got the start, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the, the information is out there. Now we're finding out, you and I are finding out, it's like there's so many cool ways to get it out there that we need to maybe hone in on like what is our way. Yep. Well, and we, we played with ideas like we've used Strive mm-hmm. uh, here in this region, Strive to live stream games and do these different things. And um, our graduation events for the last few years with Strive. And what we found, you know, we started a YouTube channel because of the podcasting and video casting that we were, you and I were doing this year. And we found out that that actually works really well. The, the YouTube and, and YouTube Live, we got Facebook, Facebook Live. And so for us, I think we've gathered a lot of information through the school year of where our audience is. And when we're talking with parents, we need to go this platform a little more. And we have the, um, the text messaging services with Remind and how to tie them all together a little bit. So I just think we need some consistency that when our audience is the, the broader educational um, field, these platforms over here, or Twitters and those things work really well. When our audience is our parents and our families and grandparents, like pushing out the, 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 the videos for Honors Night and the senior graduates, Facebook is where that audience was, mm-hmm. and so that worked well there. When we're talking about the students, and you're reaching students, what you found out is Instagram mm-hmm. is is a direction to go. And so, and I think if we had a communication plan of kind of where we see that audience, it's okay that it changes in the future. It might be some different platform in the future, but at least then you know how and where and the type of communication you're going to have and how to hit audiences and how to be consistent. So when a parent thinks, gosh, it's snowing today, I wonder if we'll get an announcement for a school closure. They know the one platform that's going to be on consistently because mm-hmm. it's a, 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 a schedule change for a school, so that's going to be a text message service. You know, just trying to figure out those things. Like this type of communication goes to this platform, and, and by all means you can – understand how to hit all we still like i have a blog still mm-hmm. um that the principals push out i don't know that they're really viewed that that right. often you know what i mean nobody just goes to the to a blog site to, no but that was the communication that was before that yeah. was it yeah. and so it's just interesting how fast it changes and um, where students are online and where they are and, and the yeah. ones that have privilege and access and the ones who don't um we're definitely learning through this is um it, because you've even done some house visits. Like s- part of the communication plan for digital learning was we had to visit some houses and drop off some packets or yeah. the kids wouldn't get their crap done. That's another thing we've learned. Is we've learned, yeah. We've learned, and we talked about that before, but we've learned um, what home lives really look like. We, we learned about privilege, and not everyone has... As the same. No, and we did a whole episode on yep. that. So if you yep. didn't get a chance to listen to that, because we shared some of our own stories, and Jerry shared, I didn't do many of the house visits. A couple of the ones I did, there's a couple of dogs that scared the bejesus out of me. I won't lie. <laughs> I warned you about the Oh one. my gosh, you did. But um, uh, Jerry shared his experience visiting those homes, and we shared some of our experience and some of the comments that were made to us by other people and educators, and kind of just getting rid of some of the myths and the ideas of, of privilege. So that's it. I, I enjoyed doing that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we've learned to trust education or educators or we've teachers. Um, I throw you and I in when I talk mm-hmm. about teachers. So I, th- I think we learned there's a trust there that what they're providing for students goes far beyond any standards in any subject. 
and you read a, shared a quote with me earlier today about um, that talked about the refuge and the safety that schools provide. Mm-hmm. And I think that is found, and here I know we're talking about the pressure cooker of kids being in the school building in one mouth or side of our mouth, and, and we're talking about the the trust of what is of of student learning that takes place in a classroom with a teacher. It goes so much more beyond um, standards, teaching strategies. Um, there's just, that cannot be replaced. What a good teacher can do uh, with students, I think parents have found that out because I think a lot Absolutely. of parents have been teachers the last uh, couple of months, you know, with home, you know, their kids at home and, and trying to motivate and teach subjects. And, you know, I, I think there's just a large appreciation um, maybe for the education field that wasn't there, you know, six months ago. And I love the idea of, And you nailed that. I have nothing to add to that part because that was exactly what I was thinking of. It made me think of this fall. And the topic on everybody's social media, every time I run into somebody, of course, six feet apart or or get a phone call or email is, what is the fall going to look like? Mm -hmm. And the idea is we don't know yet in our community. And I know you're making contingency plans, but... Now we get a chance, and I think it's really time to reflect on what we did well and what we learned, because if we do have to have something modified for the fall, what will be, and these are the conversations you and I are having this morning, what will be the good parts of this that we can take, and what will be the parts that we can alter, hopefully with more flexibility in the fall and the winter, um, and turn this into something special? That's my hope. We don't have any answers for what that would look like, but taking what we've learned what we know now and trying to mold it into something that maybe we learned about these student anxieties. We learned that we can trust teachers. We learned that parents trust teachers again, you know, that we have this new, uh, we learned that kids actually like going to school, that they miss going to school and they like the social aspect and seeing their peers. So, and they like their teacher in person. Um, I'm excited for more conversations on this podcast with our community as educators and our local community on what, what worked, what we learned, and if there is a way to mold something to change our school district for the better. The other thing we talked about when we were talking about next fall reminds me of a conversation we had this morning, too, with another teacher's grades. Oh, God. We didn't talk about grades yet. Yeah, what we've learned about Maybe we should do a whole podcast on grades. Uh, Well, and it's just one of those where I'm just a pot stirrer now because I don't know where to go, but I saw some things we did... So in our school closure, we just did kind of this mastery. So if you completed the work to the expectation of the teacher, boom, you got the credit for it. It wasn't about a grade. You didn't get a percentage grade on it. And we found out that there's some value to that. But then after a couple of weeks, we found it needs to be a little bit more. And all of a sudden, there's this talk, you know, heading down this trail of standards-based grading. Mm And, you know, like, instead of just getting the full credit, could you give them, you know, two points out of the four, I four point rubric grading. And I don't know, we can go on and on about grades and GPAs and all those things. And I don't have any answers, but what I've learned is there's other ways of doing things. I want to save this, Jerry. Now I know we were going to talk, this is like the one topic I wanted to bring up in this of what I've learned. I'm just going to give you a tidbit. And then in a couple weeks, we're going to really talk about this when we have our thoughts around us. I have learned that Teachers, students, and parents do not understand grades, period. 
Period. There are yeah. very few educators, and this is going to hurt, if you're a teacher, this is going to hurt your feelings. There are very few of you, I think, who truly, truly understand your grades. I think students, maybe in the few of you that really, really do and feel like you've got a good grasp on what a 75% or a 7.5 on this essay is or this whatever, the few of you who have a really good grasp of that, your kids have no idea or the parents have no idea. So I, I'm really interested to have this larger scope talk about grades during this time because my what I've learned is I don't think very many people understand them. Yeah, so, and I know exactly what you're talking about. So let's leave it there <laughs> yeah. and let's tell some stories about grades and okay. let's like let's make some let's I'm gonna ruffle some feathers on grades yeah. in a couple yeah. weeks here. And what we've learned is it's a discussion. It you is. Know, it's and it's it's something that we need to educate our teachers, our educators on a, a little bit as well. So, yeah, we got through it. We made it work, but it would not, that's not how we would start next fall if we have to start in any no. kind of remote um, learning. You know, and the other thing that we learned is virtual worked for some. It really did. It worked It worked just fine for some students and, and some subjects and some classes. And it doesn't work for all. And trying to figure out that balance, you know, we don't know what next fall is going to be. We're, we've got all this contingency planning for next fall because we have no idea whether we'll have students in the building at all, whether we'll have some students in the building, but they have to have six-foot spacing. We'll have students in the building, but you can't have more than 10 um, people in a room. I mean, there's just all these question marks right now. And we might have students or parents that won't send their yeah, kids to school. And, yeah, yeah. And that's the other talk is, yeah. gosh, you know, even if the school's open, if, if parents are nervous about it, and there's just, yeah, there's there's... A whole lot of uh, unknowns yet. Um, that hopefully, we get some information on within the next month and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, we're excited to learn more. This is our episode on what we've learned during COVID so far. I'm Lonnie Watson. And I'm Jerry Mack. This is a school office. We'll see you next week. <laughs>